Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice. I am Brett Rutherford, joined by my co-host, Darby Robinson. Darby, we last recorded the Rays. were still undefeated. No longer. Baseball, as you know, you weren't going to go 162-0. You lose 2-3 or in Toronto. And they're in the middle of what I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be swept by the Cincinnati Reds. And so, uh, yeah, with game what one it, is going what, on now. Yeah, no, it, the Great American uh, Ballpark has always been a, a horror show. So if they can, uh, if they could escape with one win and nobody hurt, that would be the greatest victory the Rays have ever achieved in the state of Ohio. So I, I think that would be the the pinnacle. Um, and I, I will settle for nobody getting hurt even if it is a very embarrassing sweep. But uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully they can get back onto some winning ways and and uh, kind of rebound. It is kind of funny. So the the previous two 13-0 teams, uh, one went on a bit, bad losing streak uh, and the other didn't. So it really could go either way. Um, right now, there's a lot of losses. First off, it's really weird being in Cincinnati back-to-back seasons. Uh, and that's yeah. just something we're going to have to get used to with the new schedule. Um, the Rays were there last year. It went terribly wrong. It was in July. They lost on two walk-offs and then lost 10-5. to five. Uh, But I believe it's the series where Shane Boz was injured. Wander Franco was injured. Kevin mm-hmm. Tiermeyer was injured. And it really kind of soured uh, the feeling uh, around the race. The season ended. The season yeah. pretty much died there. Yeah, because because that was like a, a want the Wander Hamate bone break, mm-hmm. which you kind of knew was like he's not going to return normal, even if he does get back. Like he if he comes back, which he did, he he probably wouldn't have the power, wouldn't have the you know the juice and. He, he still played pretty well when he came back, but he was, he was definitely not like the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, plus the, just the way the losses went, you know, they were very winnable games uh, against a very bad team. And you had a walk-off Bach or a Bach off with Matt Whistler. That was awful. Uh, yeah. It was just a really bad series, really bad vibes. Um, so it's just, I, I feel like the, the state of Ohio, Ohio has it out for the Rays. You know, they they lose in the postseason, score only one run. Uh, now they're you know Cincinnati was a horror show. More 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 bad vibes. The something rotten in the skyline, chilly. Yeah, and these were all like three and a half hour games last year. Um, at least they're quicker. Yeah. yeah, at least we can. The series can get over quicker <laughs> if if Manfred's rules holds true. But I do want to talk about the the Toronto series, uh, where it did not go very well. I think Rays fans, you get to that thirteenth win, but the mood, even when you got to the thirteenth win, was a little bit dampened by uh, the Jeffrey Springs injury, which we can talk about uh, in a little bit. But then you go into Toronto, which happens to be the first quote unquote good team that you're playing on mm-hmm. the road. They very much wanted to be the team that ended the streak. They very much see themselves as contenders in the AL East. I um, mean, they are, and they're they're probably AL, you know, just contenders. And they could they could win a World Series this year. They're that talented. 
Um, especially Kevin Kiermeyer, who I think publicly said, yeah, I'd love to end the race streak. I love those guys, but I'm on the other side now. And, you know, we play to win. And uh, I guess we're just lucky that he didn't steal any, um, you know, pitcher cards from uh, <laughs> or, or Francisco Mejia. Uh, but Darby, yeah. I mean, it was just, I, I don't, especially the way the series ended, they played great on Sunday. Um, but I'm not worried about, you know, losing two or three in Toronto, a very tough place to play. And they had really good crowds there this weekend. Yeah, no, I mean, it, here's the thing, the, all of the, the noise and, you know, complete BS with the loud fans or very loud sportscasters that talk about like, well, they haven't played anybody or whatever, like that, all of that stuff that that's just being loud and wrong. Uh, you know, it's like, that doesn't change that. That just showing your ignorance and making yourself look like a jackass more than, more than it's showing anything about like the team, obviously 13 wins in a row is historic. It's amazing. Uh, doesn't matter the competition. That's still pretty impressive. And it was also impressive the way they did it, but the, the blue Jays are also a very good team. They are, they are, you know, them, the Yankees and the, and the Rays coming into this season, anybody that knows ball, we're going to be seeing those three teams as a pretty tough three-way race for the division. And more than likely those two teams are going to be hard to beat for the wild card as well. Like these, the AL East is a, you know, a bloodbath because you also have Baltimore, which is right in there. Boston is clearly the, weakest uh but they still have some good talent coming in like they, they they're not like completely bad like if if that's your worst team they they could win any series against any of these other AL East teams they'd be contenders in the AL Central I mean, they'd be right up there right exactly exactly uh I mean the the you you have way worse teams in in throughout baseball than than them so I think the Blue Jay series was a was a good test, right? But like in it by game 30, I feel like we will stop caring about like, oh, is this a good team or what what is this team? It, do the Rays have an offense? Are they a good offense or were they just playing really bad teams? Is their bullpen good? Is their pitching good? Who like what what's you know, I think there's a lot of questions right now that come from early season and that consistent sense i think from a lot of rays fans and like just the media that the rays are always constantly the team that has to um kind of prove themselves mm -hmm. like there's never like a benefit of the doubt it's always like a proof like well that's probably not real or well they probably did this because of this reason or like well they, they're winning but it's it's probably that there's always like a qualifier uh and there's not like that benefit of the doubt where it comes from like the braves you know steamroll like a really bad team they go well the Braves are great the Rays are constantly winning the AL East they're constantly going to the postseason four years in a row this is a perennial contending team with a bunch of very talented players a budding superstar in Wander Franco who is leading or second in baseball in extra base hits mm -hmm. uh, as of yesterday like he like this is a this is a very good team so I think once we the first parts of the season are always my most frustrating because I feel like the takes come in hot and heavy and are the mo most unhinged and the most untethered to like facts or reality. <laughs> I mean, you saw, yeah, it's the, the, the prove yourself. If the Atlanta Braves had 
Wander Franco, Brandon Lau, and Randy Rosarena in any order, because we've seen Cash mix it up already this season, in the middle of their lineup, you would hear, I think, the same talking points. Like, wow, this Braves lineup is stacked with with those three guys. They're just not like right. Austin Riley and Ronald Acuna and, uh, you know, Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. Um, they're, they're not maybe, I guess, those names that get more attention, even though I do think the tide is, is starting to turn there. Uh, but it took a 13-game win streak for, like, Randy Rosarena mm-hmm. to be on mm-hmm. SportsCenter every morning. Um, it didn't just take being very good, you know, for the last four years, making the postseason for the last four years to get to making a World Series, in, you know, a few years ago. Um, the Rays were even knocked down, I think, number two in MLB.com's power rankings. And I tell myself every season, do not read the power rankings. Do not comment on the power rankings. Do not dare go to Twitter complaining about the power rankings. Oh, but this is a podcast. We got to have stuff to talk about. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like the Braves might very well be better than the Rays. Uh, they're, they're a very good team too. Uh, but they bumped I think up at this number point, one and the Rays fell down to two because they lost a series. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, what the Braves have four losses, the Rays have two about to be three, uh, with the first one. Yeah. I mean, we're who, that, who cares? Like, that's right. all like, I, I do not get mad about seeing the Braves at number one in the power rankings. Cause, uh, Whatever, you know, it's not, I think the thing is what I sort of look at and and maybe this is just like a, you know, a different way of perceiving it. So like, it's not as fun for like the discourse, but what I perceive of it is the early part of the season, I really want to see kind of what's real and what's not. And to do that, I kind of put them into multiple big categories of like, who are like good contending teams who are maybe some fun, interesting teams that are going to need stuff to break well and who are just, okay, we, we can pretty much write them off. And I think that's the cat. Like, it's not like the difference between the Braves, the Yankees, the Blue Jays and the Rays, they're all just like, those are all like very good teams, right? And so like by mid-season, if the Braves, if Acuna and at Freed and like Olsen are injured, like they're not going to be that good. But that doesn't change the fact that they're like a very well-built team like they're a contending team the Yankees Stanton's injured so if like if Judge went down and Cole went down they're a much worse team but they they it as long as they're healthy and if they stay healthy Stanton's already injured but like he's he misses a month regardless that's baked in they're going to be a great team so I, I think early on I'm not looking at like who's number one who's number five it's really just like okay the Rays came in they're playing really good baseball we'll talk about the injuries because that's a big part of it but this is a very good team. Okay. They're a playoff contender. They're a world series contender. That's the category they're in. That's the bushel they're in. If you want to be like, well, the Braves are actually a little bit better or the blue Jays are better because they beat them in there. Okay, fine. Sure. That's a, that's the argument. We can have that discussion, but that's really like, we don't know enough about where these teams are to maybe rank them in that way. But I think we do know enough right now from a lot of these teams, like, okay, that's a team that could go places. This is a team that can go places. Then there's the others that are like, oh, they're maybe interesting. They're not going to be objectively bad. And then you got the teams that, yeah, I think we just know are gunning for the number one pick already. Well, maybe now, because now we have the lottery, right? We do have the lottery. So at <laughs> least there'll be some uh, people trying to get to the, the you know, the Ewing uh, ice the card in the, or whatever. Who's who's Manfred going to to push towards uh which, um, which team gets the one? Mm, Detroit? Maybe. Not Oakland. Definitely Oakland, not Oakland. 
Uh, Detroit seems like the team that, like, for the last couple of years has been like, oh, we're rebuilding. It's going to get exciting. You'd want them to be, if you were the league office, if you could put your finger on the scales, you'd probably want them because they're like a historic franchise. And and I think the the Angels have taken that step this year, but I think maybe you wish that they had a couple like really bad seasons. And, yes. But I wouldn't trust their front office to like draft good prospects. <laughs> Although Zach Neto is like yeah. in the big leagues, uh, like in his sec first year. and Very, very quick. Um, yeah. I, I was we're seeing a lot of that. I was going to oh, yeah, bring him up next anyways, but it's, it seems like it's a good time mm-hmm. now. Josh Lowe just hits a solo home run in the top of the ninth. The um, home run streak continues. Yeah, it does. Um, 17 straight. That's a, is, is, is that a, it's not a record, right? I think the Mariners did 20. It's not. They did 19 in a, 19 games in a row in, or no, 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 20 in a row in 2019. That's where I was getting, I was getting the numbers. They did 20 home runs or, 20 straight games with a home run in 2019. They also then, I think, finished with 68 wins that year. <laughs> what so a weird not, team. What, what a weird that. team. That's a, yeah, home runs are not only thing. But uh, but that, that's neat, Josh Lowe. But Josh Lowe, I do want to talk about him because he's been yeah. awesome. Um, he's a guy that, like, even I was harsh on. I was so harsh on him last mm-hmm. year that I was I was saying on this podcast that I wished the Rays hadn't traded Austin Meadows. And I was never an Austin Meadows guy either, and so I was, I was championing Austin Meadows um, in favor of Josh Lowe. Um, but so far this year, Josh Lowe has been incredible. He has cut his, you know, career strikeout rate, you know, even in the minors by you know almost in half, um, putting up numbers. Really, he hasn't put up at any point in his career in professional baseball with just sixteen point seven strikeout rate. Um, 7.1% walk rate. He's hitting 359 with a 405 on base uh with three home runs. Now he just hit his fourth uh in the in, in the in garbage time of this game, but ultimately Josh Lowe looks a much more comfortable hitter. He's seeing the ball really well and uh, he I wouldn't say like I I don't want him in center field. Um uh, but gone to the days where the Rays have Kiermaier, Phillips and Margot. And so while Jose Siri is out, which we'll talk about more, having Josh Lowe as like your second choice center fielder uh, is still a pretty good thing because th- he, he he's not a liability out there. Like he can handle it, and he's long enough and quick enough to be able to cover that ground. Yeah, he's not your plus, but he's not he's not a minus, uh, and I think that's that's still that's useful. That's very valuable. You're still going to want to have Margot or Siri in center field for that that you know plus plus level defense but yeah no joshua being able to play a competent center field and a solid above average you know corner outfield is a is a big big step i i also was not a believer um because i saw a bat and i the big miss the big um hole for joshua the big thing that he was missing was he had one of the worst in all of baseball uh, strikeout rates or at least contact rates I should say against pitches 95 miles an hour or above and that's the people that don't hit that are batters that are all bottom tier mm-hmm. and he needs to have a good bat like he needs to have that power bat so when you look at that you look at that uh that's that that potential flaw and that could be a fatal flaw and I thought this could be bad. Now, Nate Lowe, oddly enough, 
his brother had the same problem. He has done a lot better. You know, they they both were absolute punishing against uh, breaking balls and off speed, but the fastball and the heaters were were kind of their kryptonite. Nate Lowe has gotten much better. Josh Lowe this year has done a lot better at being able to be selective. He always had a good eye. He always drew walks. Um, he saw a lot of pitches at the plate last year. The big key was figuring out what to attack and then swinging hard at it. We talked about this last week with Wander Franco. It's the same type of thing. This year, you know, his regular exit velocity is below his career norm, only at 86 miles per hour. But the max EV is at 109.4, which is usually what you want to look at because that's showing like that's the good contact, right? Your, your consistent contact, you're going to have bad, you're going to have good. The max EV is like when you can barrel it, that's what you can do. 109.4 is legit. Uh, he's already gotten three barrels so far this year. He had six all of last year. So he's not hitting the ball consistently hard every swing, but he is doing a lot more damage because I think he's getting more selective. He's able to maybe spoil off those fastballs and then force pitchers into accounts to then punish the breaking balls and the off speed. And he's done it even against some lefties too, which is, that's another big thing. He had huge reverse split or he had huge regular splits. He's been able to hold his own against lefties, maybe not be somebody you want in there constantly against left-handed pitching, but somebody that you can leave into the game as you get late into the bullpen against lefties. Yeah, I think, you know, launch angle, you know, he's just lifting the ball a little bit. He, he, he's not even putting up big exit velo numbers. Um, he's just kind of finding the gaps right now and not striking out and making good contact. And um, it, it's just an improvement, like a noticeable improvement. If you watched not even watching all, all, every game thus far, but if you just watched a handful of his at-bats from this year compared to last year, just feels like more of a big league hitter, which again goes back to he was a rookie last year and he played like a rookie the same way that Taylor Walls did. And the problem was, and again, not talking about lineup protection, um, but just the state of the Rays lineup last year when when guys like Wander... Uh, and Brandon Lau were out, and Mike Zanino was either hurt or having a you know a bad year. Um, there just were a lot of guys in that lineup that couldn't mask the fact that you had a rookie, Josh Lowe, that you were trying to get at bats, or guys like Taylor Walls. And I think that caused them to really struggle. And now this year, I think some of that pressure's off, and the whole team is 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 seeing the ball really well, playing really well. And I'm just happy to see Josh Lowe because. That was a prospect where, okay, we haven't been able to bring in the left-handed bat. David Peralta, you know, the Rays, I think Rays fans have been asking that for a couple of years now. David Peralta was our best shot at it, and that didn't work out. Now he's with the Dodgers. Um, so for Josh Lowe, if he were to not work out, if he were to start inching closer to that bust territory, um, you know, left-handed outfielder, no one else behind him. Manzardo's a left-handed hitter coming up, but it, it would have just felt like a big swing and a miss, so... I'm really glad to see him doing well and, uh, you know, get the Rays on the board, keep that streak alive. And um, I guess it's uh, some sort of consolation when you when you get stomped at the in Cincinnati. Well, I think the key is on the whole, you know, you're you're going to lose 60 plus games a year. Um, the whole what was the whole bucket is 50 games you win automatically 50 games you lose automatically it's what you kind of do with the others it's like your season 
you know, you're going to have bad games where, you know, today this is one of those weird ones uh, against Cincinnati. And and you'll, when you listen to this, you'll probably know more about the rest of the series. But the first game, the Rays sort of outperformed the Reds in terms of expected batting average. They, they did generate offense. It's just some big defensive plays, some just small miscues. They just, they couldn't quite knock it through. The Reds basically scored on everything, you know, a couple walks, both of them score, a couple hit by pitches, both of them score, you know, it is one of those games. When it comes to Josh Lowe, you wanted to see, see him still be in the, in the thick of it, you know, still like hunting for pitches because he, this is a long season and he needs to stick around. Um, and he does need, he does play a big role. I mean, that left-handed bat role, that is going to be the key. Like when the, when other teams roll out left-handed pitching, you have the lineup that can absolutely do a ton of damage, but it's against right-handed pitching, which is the majority. You need to have a couple guys that can really dominate against that type of pitching. And, and Josh Lowe has been that you mentioned David Peralta because there was a lot of talk and potential of him coming back. Uh, you know, the race could have resigned him and potentially we're looking at it. Um, but there was that discussion about, do you go with a vet like David Peralta, who's there like kind of safe floor, but lower ceiling, or do you try to give one more shot with somebody like Josh Lowe, who's only 25 and was a top prospect. He was a, a, a you know, a top 50 major league, you know, uh, all of a uh, baseball prospect. This is a guy that has the athletic tools and bat tools to be a potential impact player. And you kind of want to make sure you know what you have there before you give up on it entirely. Um, so far right now, Josh Lowe's been hitting very well. He's got a not sustainable, but we'll love it until, you know, if he keeps hitting a couple hits a game and a home run like he did today, uh, 213 WRC plus. So he's 113% better than, uh, than, than your average replacement player. Um, compared to David Peralta, who's only batting 200 with a 226 on base percentage, a 233 slugging percentage, and a 24 WRC plus. So over 13 games as well. No home runs still for David Peralta. Um, he is more a a bench role in in um uh in LA, but uh Jason Hayward has sort of taken David Peralta's spot in a lot of mm. ways. So that's an interesting the Dodgers really built a very interesting team this year with a bunch of like, hey, I know that guy. They're 36 now. They're <laughs> not still... not they're still going to waltz at 95 wins. Like, I don't know. This might be the year. And they've had some injuries, Division. too. Yeah. This might be the year where I was really high in Arizona coming into the year. They're in first place by a game now. Obviously, the Padres are... Very fun. Very fun team. Yeah. And the Padres are, are still very good. Um, so maybe this is the year that it doesn't work out for the Dodgers. Um, but I know people, you know, it's, it's always said, well, okay, the Rays just went with the young guy because they wanted to save the... I don't know. I'm going to guess it. Josh David Peralta signed for six million. Someone, I mean, I, uh, he signed for six point five. Okay, so yeah, Very six close. six point five million. Like the people are going to say, oh, the Rays just wanted to save that money. Well, it's like okay, sure, but again, for a player that they still believe in, and you know, it's Josh Lowe plus Luke Rayleigh. I think if you gave. Eric Neander, Peter Bendix, whoever else makes this decision, some truth serum. Their hope was, okay, maybe maybe one of Luke Rayleigh or Josh Lowe works out. And the other we have mm-hmm. to move on from at some point this season. 
we'll bring someone else in or we'll just move the roster around. Luckily, right now, they're both working, and I'd like it to stay that way because I like watching them both play. But I'm guessing, like, that was the bet. We could sign David Peralta, who was already declining. He's older. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, he's got a higher floor um, because he's not at that point where he's just, you're like like Nelson Cruz where you're just waiting to fall off the cliff. Yeah, I was I gonna think, say like that. It's a high. I say a higher floor, but like Father Time can basically make a sinkhole underneath that floor at any moment, and it really can go. You can go from cruising along, like Nelson Cruz, to well, well, think, you all know. I think it was in Key. You Wild. saw it. Yeah. Oh, we all have witnessed it. Um, <laughs> we we watched. It. We all like had to experience that. I, I think I read it in Keith one of Keith Law's books, but it's it's pretty pretty astonishing to see like the consistency in which hitters, almost all hitters, except for your statistical anomalies, like your Hall of Fame level players that are, just have a different gift. Um, how many big leaguers just stop hitting like after the age of thirty two? Like it becomes very hard just because the human eyeball and the human body and our nervous system. Uh, just starts to die at around that age and never get better. I think it's just difficult enough to hit a ball at peak level. So yeah. you lose even just that fraction and it's suddenly, and it's getting harder by the day. Every pitcher is just getting like better and better. I got really um, sad yes, that talk- I'm already past the point of where you are like the best you'll ever be at video games. Like <laughs> yeah, I, I read yeah. that in a book like, oh, after 21 or 22, like that's your peak and you're never going to get better. So that was that was a tough read. Oh, for it's me. all downhill, all downhill <laughs> from here. You're gonna try to Julio Franco your way to still being around and useful, kicking around, or Ricky Henderson. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think with the Rays right now, what we've seen from the team and, and consistently, I mean, I think the Toronto series we saw still some standout individual performances, but like a lot of a lot of you know struggling there. We we still are seeing a team that's pretty that's built very well top to bottom has a lot of options to roll with but i think you have a lot of pieces that just work that i think can play a really good role and i think it was the right choice right now so far to you you take your chance with josh Lowe and luke Rayleigh. you have curtis mead you have jonathan aranda you have uh kyle manzardo all a phone call away if you need it. But like for right now, you can see how much you have with Luke Rayleigh. He's not playing every day. He's playing a, a, a spot role. You don't want that for Manzardo. Once he's up, he's starting at first base pretty much every day for hopefully the next 10 years. Same yeah. with like Curtis Mead. So you don't want to do that until you have that. And because we've also seen, uh, which is a good segue to injuries, injuries happen. And it's nice to have a top prospect to call up. And we just saw that. So the good and the bad of the injuries, we should talk about Taj Bradley. We We saw Zach Eflin get injured. Mm -hmm. And the update from him is that he is looking, uh, he just threw off the mound, I guess, today and looks good. So without a setback, he should be back starting Sunday. Uh, So that's awesome. That's very exciting. Um, But but, uh, for Zach Eflin's start, Taj Bradley... 22 years old, the first pitcher, I believe, born in the 21st century that has a two in front of his name or two, 2001. Uh, that is impressive. And I'm just got three more gray hairs just thinking of that. Uh, but Taj Bradley, 
uh, got the start and looked, I think, better than I expected. I, I mean, he was the he's the raised top prospect in a stacked farm system, but he still was dazzling. Like that was a really impressive for a, for a first big league performance. You know, his debut that was really really exciting stuff against the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, he felt like after one start, like he's going to join this group of of over the last 15 years of just really good pitchers that the Rays turn out. And I, I started to look more into it. Again, we talked about him, I think, on last week's episode or maybe two weeks ago, James Shields. And you just look mm. back at his career and his, his, his peak stretch with the Rays was just really good. And since then... Um, you've had, you know, him and Chris Archer, obviously David Price and Blake Snell and I mean Matt Moore, who was a top prospect, but, you know, never really reached that full potential. Um, but even guys like Jeremy Hellickson and Matt Garza, who have, whether it's with the Rays or not, gone on to just have solid big league careers. And Taj Bradley just seems like one of those guys that is he's he's going to be a big league pitcher and, and a really good one. Um, eight strikeouts, just one walk fell apart in the little in the fifth, like, okay, you know, nothing to worry about there. Had really got, good got get extended a little bit too. I think they like yeah. kind of pushed him a little bit more. Just that I think they had a big lead at that time. They just wanted to sort of see maybe how he could do. Um, so I think that's like one of those things where, again, if you, if you're the Rays and you normally are trying to like maybe maximize and it was a closer game, you might've even pulled them earlier. Yeah. Um, but I think you had an opportunity to steal, steal an inning and, and just sort of see what he had. He got, a, you know, it's still, he still was fairly sharp in that inning. Like he, he was still missing a couple spots, but he wasn't like imploding. Like the walks weren't there. The command was really good. And the fastball was as good as advertised, if not better. And by, uh, by stuff plus, um, which is, you know, model, of kind of pitch modeling and uh, uh, just in general, his, his, um, his, his attribute where hundred is basically your average. Uh, it's a very small amount of innings, um, but Taj Bradley's uh, fastball comes in third best in baseball by stuff. Plus it's the third best fastball behind Jacob deGrom and uh, Spencer Strider. So it's one of the sharpest, most impressive fastballs in Eno's model after those just five innings. So that's something to absolutely fastball. Where does McClanahan's fastball rank in that this year? Is he not maybe towards the top Uh, of that as much? Not in the his fastball is not his curveball has to be. His curveball is if you include relievers, Pete Fairbanks has the best fastball. In all of baseball, does not shock me at all. Stuff plus, it's it's an it's an elite level um, uh, pitch. Um, also, fun fact: uh, Drew Rasmussen has the uh, second best cutter in all of really all of the, the markings. Which that's a, like a fairly newer pitch for him that he has huh. just become absolutely next level with. So, Todd Bradley, great fastball. He has that uh, gyro and sweep. Uh, cutter slider that that is become all the rage the thing he kind of mixed in a little bit was the curveball he he's been a two-pitch pitcher who needs that third pitch uh a third kind of winnable pitch 
but the Rays have so many guys like Springs and, and Rasmussen who they kind of had the same type of thing where they just need to get that extra pitch there to kind of make them work similar to Glasnow in a lot of ways too. Um, so the curveball looked like more of a, a surprise pitch for, for Taj, kind of a, a, a th- you know, a loop that people aren't sitting on because that fastball is too tough. And suddenly you could steal a strike. And he did that a couple of times. Um, but it's not one that you'd probably want to try to get a K on. It's just one that you can kind of maybe steal a strike, which is useful. Uh, and he's been also working really hard on his changeup. So he will probably be coming back. Uh, more than likely, he was on the taxi squad today. He's probably going to be pitching Tuesday in Cincinnati, um, more than likely. Uh, and that's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday, I would say, because that's kind of lines up with him when uh, Jeffrey Springs uh, eventually gets put on the IL. That's the thing that's been kind of waiting on the corresponding move. And it's probably for Taj Bradley. And yeah, we should talk about that. That's the, that was, the, I think, the biggest, more than the loss uh, of the win streak, the, the Jeffrey Springs injury was a huge uh, kind of vibe hit. Yeah, I get sad thinking about uh, really all pitchers. Um, it just feels like they're all so great and fun to watch. And, like, you always get to talk about how, you know, the position players and pitchers and who should win MVP. And people always say, well, you know, I tune in to watch the big star position players. You know, they play every night. But there's something about, like, waiting all week for a certain pitcher's start because you enjoy – watching them work so much there's like always a few in baseball that when i'm looking at that week's schedule and i'm like okay this is another game i want to watch it's not the rays like it's because of a starter it's never because of, you know mm-hmm. sometimes it's like mike trout i want to watch and jordan alvarez is fun to watch but like i want to watch uh luis castillo is one example for me i just a true mm-hmm. workhorse i wanted the rays to get him so bad a couple years ago and even last year uh, but just super fun to watch Jeffrey Springs was definitely becoming that for me. Like, obviously, I watch you know every Rays game I can, but I was starting to get really excited for those Jeffrey Springs starts mm-hmm. because he's different than every other dominant left-handed pitcher out there right now. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit more old school, where like he doesn't have the ninety-five plus fastball, uh, but he still found ways to get like a lot of strikeouts, a lot of soft contact, and was just pitching really well. And now we might not see him again for the rest of the year. So disappointing left uh, ulnar neuritis, or is that is that mm-hmm. correct? Yep, ulnar uh, neuritis out for at least two months. Sounds like if there might surgery. be surgery, though. Yeah, if there's surgery, that's a, that's that's almost certainly the year, and then maybe even into next. So not good. Uh, there, there's a lot of outcomes where it's better that it could have been just a nerve flare up. Um, there were hope, there was some hope about that. I was uh, hoping for a blister out. where he'd only missed like, I don't know. Blisters cost you about three weeks now. Yeah. Not too much, but uh, yeah, springs afterwards. Didn't he said he didn't like feel any pop, didn't feel any pain. So that's he felt nothing, good. right? Cause it was just numb. He fe- it felt some weird numbness. Yeah. And he couldn't get the quite grip on so it. Who knows what popped uh, he in there, to? He, was, he was numb. Who knows what was going on? I guess that's true. I don't yeah. Trust him. The pain was there, but it was all there. Um, but yeah, you know, I, it's, it sucks because he was a really fun pitcher to watch. It's a big blow. Cause he was 
maybe the ace of the staff, you know, like he, he was the most elite uh, pitcher that they had um, right now in a, in a rotation of a lot of elite pitchers. So it's a big, it's a big person to overcome, to have to actually replace, but also, yeah, just a great, um, great story. You know, it's journeyman pitcher who's now become like a elite level starter he who finally got a nice contract extension from the Rays. he so was going to be an all-star the good news is he's gonna be an all-star he's probably gonna he could have been even getting some cy young votes like yeah. that was if he had like the makings of a sneaky maybe not a cy young winner but a guy that could make in the top five um yeah it's a it, it's a huge huge bummer now hopefully hopefully he can rest up, recover, doesn't need surgery, and can be back sometime in the second half of the season. That is a huge pickup if that's the case. If not, though, um, then, yeah, I think this the rotation is looking like right now, you have your Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen to the top. You have Zach Eflin uh, coming back this weekend. Josh Fleming is still in the rotation. Mm. Had a, had a He's been a little up and down, not... I think that's what he's always going to be. The command is still just not as sharp as you'd want for for him. Like I, I just want more. Just want more from Josh Fleming. Um, but he'll get a chance I, again. I think he'll stay it's, it's, away. I think you'll always get be, just a little bit more from him. I yeah, I think so. Probably, probably the case. I, I think he's in a similar situation to Josh Lowe in the sense that there is something there. And you do have an opportunity to see it. And the bank wins means that you can have a game where he pitches and it's not maybe your best. And, uh, and yeah, you, you know, you see what you got. They've won two Josh Fleming starts or bulk appearances so far out of three. So there you go. Like that's, that's, you just keep doing that. And that's your fifth starter. That's the guy that when Glasnow gets back, that's the person you tag to replace. Springs is a big loss because you were hoping that, you had Fleming as the one guy that you don't need, but that's where Taj Bradley coming up really was impressive. It, it means that the Rays were kind of aggressive in bringing up Bradley and not, you know, trying to like piece it together with uh, just Yanni or, or Patino or Cooper Criswell. They they're using those guys as the shuttle guys while, while Eflin's also out and Springs is out, but you have Taj as a guy that you can slot into the rotation and he's going to have, he's going to take his lumps, but he is a very talented, good young pitcher. The Mariners showed last year that if you have your ace, Luis Castillo, you can then lean on those young arms to kind of fill out that rotation like George Kirby and Logan Gilbert did. The Rays, this is a different spot because, you know, they they kind of had their young guys coming up doing that uh, a couple of years ago, trying to get that, that um, experience. Now, Shane McClanahan, He's he's a veteran. He needs to to lead the way. He did and got a great win against Alec Manoa um, on Sunday to 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 salvage you know a game, not to avoid that sweep. That's what an ace does. Drew Rasmussen got to keep pitching well, but then you have Taj Bradley. That's going to be an exciting guy to watch because this is an opportunity to potentially um, hold on to a spot in the rotation. Like this is this is the you know the ceiling is high for for Taj and he could be a guy like Shane McClanahan was in uh, a, a few years ago in like 2021 who is kind of a guy that you're leaning on maybe he's a year too early mm-hmm. 
but if he can be solid and give you some some something like 2021 uh, uh Shane McClanahan that's huge to fill out the back of a rotation yeah no definitely um Luis Patino do you think we'll see him I mean with with Eflin coming back into the rotation and and Bradley still with a chance to come up and maybe you know permanently fill that or I say permanently you know, fill that Springs role for as long as it needs to be filled, whether it's either him or Tyler Glass now come back. I mean, could could we see a, a Luis Patino? And, and if not, I know he's had some struggles in Durham, but when do you think the Ray, and he's still very young, and I got to remember, he came up a lot faster than a lot of other prospects. What, like, what are, what are the Ray's vibes on Luis Patino? My vibes aren't good right now. And they haven't been since sometime last year. But what do you think the Rays' vibes are on Luis Patino? I mean, I think I think the Rays are not a team that's going to give up on a guy with that much talent too soon, especially not pitching talent. I think you're going to see him. I think he'll absolutely get a chance. But I think he's a guy that's had some really bad luck with timing, with the pandemic, with the the Padres' rushed development schedule. And then with some some bad injuries that has not given them an opportunity to really get the full work with the team that they wanted. 2020 uh, was he was with the Padres and just way too young, rushed up because they every one of their pitchers died. Um, 2021 and the season's weird start because the pandemic was still kind of delaying stuff, and then you also had uh, the lockout, so that kind of meant that people were training on their own, not with the team. Also still still young, gets gets injured, misses time 2022. First start gets gets injured, uh misses so much time. So he really has I think they're going to try to potentially use him. He'll come up. He's going to he's going to be part of the shuttle, right? It's like his time and the rotation's going to come up and it's going to line up with a bullpen day and they're going to need him to come up and get some innings. But I think for the most part, what they want to see from him is to put together a pitching plan and start to execute it in Durham. They need to work on his command. They need to get that command right. That's his big thing. The pitches, the the stuff is there. It's there. He has the pitches. The command is the problem. If he can get some command, this guy could be a major league starting pitcher with even a little bit more command, he could be a pretty dominant reliever there. He's still so young though, that you got to give him an opportunity to see what you can do and, and be that starter. Yeah. And people's developments are different. So I, I think the Rays are going to see him as less of a guy. They want to, you know, Cooper Criswell and Yanni Chirinos can come up, you know, fill a role, maybe get sent back down and sh- shuttled around. I think Patino is going to get an opportunity in there, but I think for the most part, they they see a guy that if they can get right, he can be a key piece uh, for the future, but he needs to actually get there. It is shocking. And this is, a, I think this is a make it or break year. I will say this. I think, I think after this year, I just, I feel like this is either a, you know, Fisher cut bait type of situation. Well, and I, I think he'll be out I of really options do. next year. I mean, he should be yes, right. I think so. Yeah. Um, Again, because not unless he got an extra one for injuries, so it still says one. So does that mean next year will be that last one because he's already been optioned this year? 
Potentially, yeah. I guess that would be. He must. He might have gotten an extra one, or the pandemic might have actually. I think the twenty twenty season that might have not have used an option. They were a little forgiving with the yeah. rules then. And he went on like the IL, I think, too. I don't know if he was ever optioned. Oh, uh, well, that's true. Until, Maybe until not. I think he was hurt. I could be misremembering. But anyways, yeah, I feel like it's the make or break year for him being a starter, uh, like a, like a dedicate. Not to say yes. that he couldn't be a multi inning reliever, but I think if it's next year where he, you know, let's say he is out of options, or he's on his last one. Um, it's going to get to the point where how valuable is he, you know, on a roster, especially with, like we said, we already have um, uh, Taj Bradley. Uh, but then you look at Double A, and there's between Mason Montgomery and Cole Wilcox. Uh, Cole Wilcox a part of the same trade as Luis Patino. They will be pitching in Triple A next year, um, and and be one of those guys that could potentially see some big league action depending on you know how their development goes and so Luis Patino um I mean again a lot of arm talent Uh, he's he's very young but you might be like hey focus on two pitches and you're gonna we're gonna bring you out of the bullpen and maybe he's a you know a bulk guy or you know can give two or three innings or or maybe is a one inning guy they say really focus on your fastball and your slider um and and but you know, try to become a, a back-end reliever. And it's also possible this year that they, the Rays usually don't do this, but they they could decide the bullpen doesn't have the Ks that it normally does. That's been a big, big yeah. miss so far in this season. Maybe you do come bring him up because you need a uh, four or five out guy that can get you Ks. And then you work on, moving him to the rotation later, almost like Jeffrey Springs did. But with the injuries, you can never have too much starting pitching. I do think unless the Rays traded for a pitcher or if there was more injuries, I I do think, I do think you, you probably don't push the reliever button just yet. Come, come postseason time. Sure. But I think for right now, I think you try to give him an opportunity to start. But down the line, I think there is there is a lot of room there. Let's talk about the rumor. Uh, not, it's not really a rumor, but Mark Topkin did mention in his Rays rumblings that may may there be another injury or someone have a setback that the Rays are in the market for a could be could potentially be in the market for a starting pitcher. Which, like, sure, if McClanahan gets hurt and Glass now you know stubs his toe on some. Uh, bathroom furniture a la Blake Snell like yes, dangerous that yes the Rays furniture. would probably look at the starting pitching market um but they will anyways because they're the Rays and they're a big league organization um but like <laughs> what what's that I know we set in the offseason the line of like okay you need to be better than this pitcher to be worth the Rays spending free agency dollars or in this case trade chips because if the Rays come asking for any pitcher, I mean, that's just the cost is going to go up right there, no matter what. Um, look at the Boston mm-hmm. Red Sox giving us Jeffrey Springs for pennies on the dollar. Uh, but what, like, what would what market would you set for the Rays? Like, who are the names or, or what level of pitcher are they going after? It's funny when I saw that Topkin thing, I, I had even come close to looking at like guys that I think the Rays would realistically even target, you know, because there's like, you don't want to fill the rotation with just bulk, right? So I think you yeah. have to get, if you're adding somebody, you want him to be as good or better than Zach Eflin. 
And that's not that many pitchers and not many pitchers that are available. Um, you could potentially see a guy like uh, Lucas Giolito if the White Sox Ooh. decide to just like implode and pull the pull the plug. Um, but I, I don't think they are. I think they're too committed in there. I think you could see the Rays could look at he's not right now above the Zach Eflin line, but he could be, especially with his new little pitch mix. But Brad Keller as a as a cheap vet yeah. uh, from the uh, Royals, he's looking a little bit sharper. Brad um, Keller seems way more gettable than Lucas Giolito. He does, but he's also like that's that's the but is he a needle like is that a guy you you fill the rotation with? Like if the if the Rays did, then I think they would see the the new pitch if, changes as a, as a real thing and not just oh small sample size boost. I think you could also see. I think the Giants are sinking fast, so Alex Cobb, I think, is a guy that would absolutely fit an Alex Cobb reunion. Yeah, uh, or even Anthony Descalfani. I think that's another guy that's like always been pretty solid, like a really really solid pitcher, kind of like a Zach Eflin who maybe with really better defense behind him would, would have even better performances and results, but I don't know. It's a really difficult. And with the extra wild card spot, there's not going to be as many sellers, especially early. So I think it's, it's a tricky spot where I don't think you can easily go out there and get an arm because there's just not that many out there that are that gettable. Would, <laughs> This just sounds silly coming out of my mouth, and it definitely won't happen. Um, it was it was kind of like the Juan Soto Rays, you know, their name I think was in the first group of players. But mm-hmm. at what point is at what point in the season is your first call to Perryman Asian and asking, all right, where do we want to start <laughs> with this with with the Rays going after? Shohei Otani. I mean, I I just want to kind of maybe this is our raise your voice segment because we haven't really done one yet. Like what one like are the Rays crazy enough to do it? Because I think the answer is yes. Uh, sure. Two, I mean, just where would it start? And and it would be mind boggling, mind boggling, mind bogglingly high. I'm interested in yes. your thoughts. Uh oh man. <laughs> um. I don't know if I don't know if I, I I that's one of those things where it's like I don't know if any GM has the stones to do that and that's including Perry trading him away like I like mm. you're you are basically like what why do you even need a GM if you're trading Otani and you can't yeah. win with Otani and Trout we can just find a cheaper version of you Perry you're right. out of here like, you know, Art will just save that money and hire like an intern to do it because it doesn't matter. Like, if you can't win with this, then you're in for a long rebuild. Uh, if I you mean, don't it would have, have to be to I, like, it would have to be like a Moreno order. Like, you need to trade Otani because he's not coming back. It just doesn't seem very I mean, Moreno like. That's not, yeah, that's yeah. not Art. Uh, but, anyways, if you, if you were the Rays, if you were the Rays and you were doing this, you are. I think the I think the Angels would have to start it at like Manzardo and Bradley to even not hang up immediately. And I don't think that's I think that's the start of the 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 discussion. Is a Manzardo or Mead 
and, yeah, and Bradley has to be Taj. So you have to get your pitcher. You have to get a pitcher and a hitter because you're trading a pitcher and a hitter. And neither of those guys are as good as Shohei Otani. So you then are probably saying we need more. They maybe even try to throw in like some of their bad contracts like into that. Like I I don't know. Like that's I mean the Rays I can't. The Rays aren't going to take on like Anthony Rendon. They can't. No, they can't. But that's that's why I just I just do not know any team the yankees don't have the prospects to do it the i but i'm not mets convinced don't the have the prospects the mets maybe the rays the rays have the prospects but definitely not the ones most of them are are graduated so then you'd have to be like trading yeah. like randy or rosarena or something like that which i, I mean does I that make it, that doesn't make you better I, shane I mcclanahan think... like they probably start with like you know because like shane boz is injured so you don't even have him you have like probably like taj bradley drew rasmussen and then i Josh Lowe plus another like top prospect like Mason Montgomery. Like it's not like an absurd low. I don't think there's a price again for half a season of Shohei that is an unreasonable ask. And I don't, I can't mentally come up with a trade that I would want to offer that I wouldn't feel like is insulting, <laughs> that I would accept, that I would want to trade. Like I feel like any for trade half, that you for could a get rental. done, like it's not for a even... rental of Shohei. I think it I think it's like a it would be a trade that I think unless you can do it with just prospects, but I, I just I just I think you could better use that for somebody else. Because this is or many very, others. Like with Juan Soto, I thought the the return was somewhat low. I don't think they got like ripped off. Like I think they got a bunch of really good prospects and if their front office is worth a damn. Like they'll be, they can build around what they got. But I yeah. did think there was like the lack of a sure thing prospect. Like, it was, it's tough, right? I think, I think there's, I think Abrams and Gore are really interesting. Uh, but like, yeah, Abrams is a guy that I don't love and Gore. It, yeah, like I don't like. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think I I want like some somebody that I'm like this one is a one, this one is B, but I think could be A, and then I even I want some other sweeteners that if if anything if everything goes bad I can maybe salvage something. Right. I think you. I think it's a it's a very rich. It's a very rich um, prospect pool but not with like height. It's yeah. like, it's not, it's not expensive. It's like a lot. It's a buffet. I really thought of it as like a buffet, which is like, this is all decent. And like it's a every lot of prospect it. that was in that trade. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's a good prospect. Yeah. Oh, yeah there's some, I mean, they traded a bunch of great, like not great. They traded a bunch of very good prospects. Yeah. But I want, I don't want four quarters for a dollar. I want two dollars plus maybe a few dimes and a nickel mm -hmm. and an old penny that could be worth a lot, but maybe it's just a penny. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that's that's what I kind of want for Shohei or for Shohei Otani. I need like so much more than that, even. And the but, and the and that and that Nats or that uh Nats and Padres trade, it like empties out the Padres like farm system but it empties out like a lot of guys that could have also become like blocked 
and kind of just not that like they had no runway like the, the runway could have been running out very quickly for guys like abrams and gore and soon you might be like well they're kind of not that great of prospects and we don't have any room for them and now we have to trade them for a reliever and so i think they traded them at the right time if i'm if i'm the padres i do that deal uh again and again oh yeah i i also hope to re-sign Soto. So I think that's pretty good. I think it's really tough if you're trading for Otani, paying the price. And you might have a package to offer, but not for a more than three years. Right. I could see the Rays offering a three-year, you know, $150 million deal, like $50 million a year. I think but I don't higher think... Higher than that. To get him for three But years. they'd have to go way higher. <laughs> you... They'd have to go way higher... And you'd also have to go for way longer. Like if he went for, like, I, 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 I think he's going to sign a, a, a he's going to sign the, the the very largest contract in the history of of the game. He will get way more than he's and like, deserves every penny. Right, and and I say this, he he would get he'll get way more than what he's actually worth on the baseball field, which I know we're still having a really hard time quantifying how much he's worth. Um, but oh, he, yeah. he is going to get astronomically higher than that. Like he will, he will somehow still be overpaid, but will he be? Because he is without a doubt the most valuable player in the game. Um, yeah. So with that being said, I'd love him. I'd love that to be on the Rays, but uh, like, he, hey, like if, if he I were to take a three-year can... deal, it would be two hundred million dollars. I think. Like yeah, maybe with incentives. I, I think you could even ask for more, but yeah, he'll sign. I, I think if you're if you're risking that short term i think you'd have to go even higher um i don't think the rays can go higher but i, th- I think you could you'd have to go higher but i think you you take the long term because that's your last contract and you do you are a pitcher and pitchers are the worst position health wise yeah, on, mean, on this earth what's his aav gonna be like what's your guess let's like just try to guess without knowing the years uh, I think if it started with a four, I think that would be where I'd want to start with. Um, unless you're really going, unless you're going very long term, and then 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 like then you might even bump it up a little bit. I mean, I mean, I what's, think the, it's what's the highest? What's the highest right now? So you, you I, I think 50, 50 mil is is very. Yeah. I think that's what they it ends up with. If but I think you do get to you run the risk. Here is the one thing that could cap his price point: is there's just so few people that are going to be able to bid at that level. So you you then go, who is going to be bidding against each other? Can the Yankees come in at a fifty million dollar price point? Yeah, obviously they can, but like, will they? They are going to, like, the, the Steinbrenner brothers have not been wanting to pay that tax. You know Cohen will. The Giants, they missed out on everybody, so they could maybe raise it up. The Dodgers? So the Angels? There are three players I mean, this, that average on their current deals above $40 million, and they all play in New York. It's Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge with his new deal, Justin Verlander, and Max Scherzer, who are both on short-term deals. Mm-hmm. Um, guys with like even Jacob Degrom, next highest at thirty-seven million, is on a five-year deal. He's a little older. Um, He's a little older. Garrett Cole's deal and was a lot of for, injuries. Garrett Cole's deal was for several years, right? 
It was yep. at least seven or eight. Seven? Seven, I think. Um, 36 million. So that's the one where you really see like him and Judge with the length. And they are, you know, arguably <laughs> the second best pitcher and the second best hitter of the game besides by Shohei Otani. <laughs> by the <laughs> single man. Um, yeah. No, I, I think, gosh, I do think if you can, I think it could end up being like four or five just because of the the market cap of how many teams can offer. But I would not be surprised if it ended up 5-0, yeah. if it ended up 50. Just because if you're thinking of that, you're thinking, oh, I get Judge plus Cole, but I don't have to pay uh, $87 million per year. I get to pay 50 or $55 million per year. So I think what a trade would look like, just all it could save the cap. It could save the cap. Actually, that's that's the smarter. That's Cohen. That's your smart thinking. It's actually you'd be losing money if you didn't spend. That's right. Um, I think yeah, it would be Bradley. I I don't know. Manzardo might be higher on on some list than Mead at this point. Um, it's Mm -hmm. close between them. I would go Bradley Manzardo. I think Rasmussen plus like two more prospects. I mean, Randy, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it gets real scary real fast. I'll say this. I'll say Bradley, Manzardo, Rasmussen, Montgomery. Maybe they take Greg Jones as that last, that last <laughs> Sneak him in there. <laughs> um, oh, you guys want Greg Jones too, right? Our former first round pick. You said it could be that's a former first round pick. Oh, 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 that's a former first round pick. But maybe like on the Baseball America list. Maybe that last piece is like a Carlos Colmenares, like a guy that was really highly touted when the race first signed him. He's kind of cooled down as a prospect since then. Uh, But maybe he is like that last piece, like a guy like oh he was supposed to be really good. Let's see what the race saw in him, type of thing. I I think that's a that's an offer that the Angels could entertain because you have a bunch of pieces that would help right now during trout's like you know playing time um but also i do think you look at that and you're suddenly like that the the you are replacing you know rasmussen with otani so that is a a plus you're improving your rotation yeah but that the cost of improving your rotation and your offense, you are you are really taking a lot of pieces of your depth and especially the pitching depth. I think they might be even more interested in trading the position player. Honestly, though, it's like one of those deals where if it ever happened, you just enjoy the moment and don't think about tomorrow and the hangover that comes. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. going to be a doozy. It's going to be a bad hangover. 20, 2024, you're waking up and you're like, oh, what did I do? But God, the memories. You know, like at what point if they lose Otani, either you know, in free agency or whatever, um, at what point does Mike, Mike Trout request a trade? Like, I think that would happen at, within the next, like, two years after that. I would hope. I would just hope like, for his and sake. I, and I think angels blow it up if you if you can't if you can't do it. If you can't make the playoffs this year, just blow it up. Baseball's like really out of the four major sports, really is like the only one where like 
players be, just being able to request a trade willy-nilly like hasn't really become a thing in the sport. Mm. And I'm not saying player power is a bad thing, but baseball just hasn't, at least publicly, like stuff that leaks out, we don't know about it happening that much in baseball or causing that much drama. But like I feel like a Mike Trout getting his way out, going to form a super team somewhere else, like that could be what starts it in baseball. Like it took like it could. It took some of these other big time trades in the last decade for that to happen really in the NFL and the NBA. Like players just realizing how much they're worth and how much they can control franchises. And I think if you if you're Mike Trout, if you request a trade and it's public, then that kills the Angels' chances of signing anybody. Yeah. And so I think then they almost have to trade them because then I think then they become a a, a toxic you know, team to attract big time free agents. I mean, you can still sign them. I mean, Chris Bryant went to the Rockies, but like, I I think that would be potentially like a, eh, I don't know if I want to go to that situation for any equal money. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Like in the NBA, I mean, like teams never really know who's like on their roster the next day. Like they'll just say, yeah. oh, I'm not going to play. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to sit out with a sore wrist. All the power, all the power. Like what Kevin Durant has done, but you know now he's back. We'll we'll see. Will Will Trout become the new KD? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Doesn't doesn't seem like the type, but we'll see. This has turned into an Angels podcast, but they are the most interesting (laughs) uh, professional sports. They're the most interesting mess. Yeah. What a what a fun mess. Gosh. Um. So Taj or (laughs) Taj Bradley hopefully not going to, to away in a trade unless it's for Shohei Otani. Um, yes. I think that's the big takeaway from the week. Uh, Jeffrey Springs, it just makes me really sad. Um, I, I think I lose interest in baseball for a few days after like a pit, like when Glass now got hurt last year. I just mm. didn't watch as much. I was just like bummed. Yeah. It's a, it's a bummer. I think, but that's where, that's where having Taj Bradley is, is nice because I think, I mean, it's nice for bummed. me, but it doesn't help Jeffrey Springs. Like he's still hurt. Like that's what makes me sad. Yes. It's not, it's not the effect on the team. I'm feeling much better though, because I feel bad for Jeffrey Springs. I just feel very thankful though, this year that he did get his contract. So like yeah. he has stability, like he knows this team is committed to him. You know, the Rays have a very good medical personnel and their recovery rates have been great. So like, this is a guy that's in great hands. So at the very least, listen, there's no good time to get an injury. There's no good time. Like this is, this would absolutely suck, but he's in an organization that he has seen so many guys come, come through and return as good or better. And he's got his, his contract. He's got some guaranteed money. His family is taken care of. This can be. You never have a good time for an injury, but at the very least, this is an opportunity for him to be able to be like, well, the Rays have committed to me. I've committed to them. I hate to not compete, but at the very least, this is not floating in the in the nebulous trying to fight for the next contract or on a team where you're just not fully trusting where they're going. I think in that regard, that's where this makes the situation at least for me, a little bit more. Like I'm like I, I feel heartbroken for him, and I I hate you know to not see him pitch, but I do. I'm like, well, I'm really happy he got that deal. Like because uh-huh. now now he's at least has that security, and he can be. It takes a bit of that stress off. I'm sure. Like there's still going to be that awful you know competitive spirit of needing to compete and not being able to and having to recover. 
but at the very least, like there is a little bit of stress left, like family, you know, they're, they can have a place, they know where they're living, they know where they're coming to work, they know where they're going uh, to be, and he can focus entirely on that recovery. Yeah, so, you know, the Rays didn't take a, you know, a pre-free agent reliever and just burn him to the ground on purpose. Yeah, take that, John Becker. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, but... I would say that's a low blow, but that's how low you'd have to punch to get to John Becker. Oh, yeah, definitely. There you go. Um, <laughs> so Jeffrey Springs, hopefully he's back soon. Um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just tough, but the, the Rays will, the Rays yeah. will move on and, you know, maybe it's best case scenario. Maybe he's back for the postseason alongside Tyler Glass now. So, uh, we've gone well over time here, but. Um, a lot of good discussion, including a lot about Shohei Otani for some reason. Um, I don't, I don't <laughs> but hey. When in doubt, when you need content, Shohei's yeah. your guy. Yeah, definitely. All right, Darby, um, this time again, well, I guess next week we'll try to get again on Sunday and post on Monday. Instead, this week we're Monday. It'll be out Tuesday uh, when hopefully the Rays bounce back against the Reds. So um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Darby underscore Robinson and at BG Rutherford nine, nine. Also keep following D Ray's Bay, D Bay.com. These podcasts will still be posted on D Bay.com. And soon, hopefully this week or next week, we are actually on a podcast network again, uh, rather than just your YouTube screens. But thank you guys for listening and Darby and I will talk to you next week.